Hello fellow riders, this is your host Rusty James. It is Monday, October 16th, 2017, and this is The Ride. Welcome my friends, I am stirred up today. I hope that you can be stirred up as well. We're going to get right into it. I don't have a whole lot of time, but what I do have is from God to you, I promise. This morning as I was listening to the first chapters of the Gospel of John, I was reminded of the man who was needing healing by the pool of Bethesda. Do you remember this story? The man who was a cripple on his mat and he could never get to the pool when the water was stirred. Whatever that stirring was, I don't know. Apparently that's when the healing took place. And he could never get to the water in time. And then Jesus comes by and he says, he asks him about a situation and he explains the whole bit. You know, I can't get to the water in time. I can't get my healing. I can't get what I need from God. Because I can't make this move. I see other people getting what they need, but I can't get there. I've got a problem. And I'm going to be here for years, it looks like. And I'm never going to get to that spot because, you know, I can't move. And what happens? Jesus is talking with him. This man's healing wasn't in the pool. His healing was standing right before him. And Jesus says, pick up your mat and walk. And just like Jesus seemed to do a lot of times, he caused there to be a commotion. I mean, Jesus was like the first viral marketer. Because so often, he'd do things that would just go against what was permitted by the spiritual and religious leaders of the day. I should say, Jesus went against what the religious leaders of the day would have permitted. And that caused commotion, that caused controversy, and that caused the word to spread. This man who was unable to move finally got his healing. When he looked to the giver of the gift and the giver of the healing and not the earthly trappings of, you know, how it was done, he went straight to the source. Or rather, the source went straight to this man. And so he picked up his mat and he walked. And of course, the controversial element here is that it was on a Sabbath. And of course, as a good Jew, you were not to be working on the Sabbath. And picking up and walking with a mat would be considered work. Yet Jesus told him to do it. Interesting. Jesus knew what the rules were. And yet he had him disobey the rule. What? I thought that we're supposed to follow the rules. Did he do this to, you know, be the viral marketing guy of his 
glory? I don't know. I think it had to do more with what's more important. And he's done that in the past. He was condemned for healing on the Sabbath, just the act of healing, as though that was work for him. If the religious leaders only knew, it didn't involve any work. Work is something that man does. That healing is what God did. How ludicrous that the religious leaders would say to God, you can't do this because you're working. Man, the total irony is they're using words to complain about what God did, and God used words to do the healing. Hypocrites. Do you all remember the first miracle attributed to Jesus? It was the water to wine at the wedding in Cana. I heard something new today that I hadn't really paid much attention to in the past. If you know the story, Jesus and his disciples are at the wedding. His mother's there as well. They're celebrating this union. Man, that would have been a great place to be, I tell you what. They're drinking wine. Oh my goodness, heaven forbid. Alcohol, my goodness. They're drinking wine. Whether it's alcoholic or not, I don't know. I have a sense that it was, though, based on how the story is written. You know, they ran out of wine. And then Jesus' mother comes to him and says, they ran out of wine. And Jesus knew what she was thinking and said, hey, woman, this is not the time to let people know who I am. Which kind of blows me away a little bit because he ended up doing the miracle. There's a few places in scripture where prayers or requests made by man hit the ears of God and God changes his mind. Don't ever stop praying. Don't ever stop praying. But in this story, he tells the servants, take those containers over there and fill them with water. What I hadn't noticed was the type of containers he used. They were for ceremonial washing. I know there's a meaning behind this. Lord, I am asking you to help reveal that to us right now. Whether you reveal it to me or to those who are hearing this, reveal what that means. I know there's a meaning behind this. Ceremonial washing. Later on in John, I was, I was actually praying while I was listening to this. And I was asking the Lord, can you explain what this really means to me? I don't fully have it yet. But as I was hearing uh, Max McLean read to me from John, and as I prayed to the Lord, help me understand what this means, this ceremonial washing, there's something about this. Because I didn't fully know, I mean, I know that people would wash feet, but that was maybe a common occurrence. But there is a ceremonial washing. And I didn't fully know in the Jewish tradition what that means. I'm sure there are Jews that are hearing this right now and they maybe would understand the significance of Jesus using the ceremonial washing containers 
to perform this miracle. But as I'm listening, what comes up? I hear about the ceremonial washing. Later on in in the book of John, when the Jews were complaining about John the Baptist and the ceremonial washing. So here I'm thinking, okay, well, I know what John was about. He was about repentance and having people be told that the kingdom of God was near, that the Messiah was in their presence, and they didn't yet know who he was. And this is a time to repent and turn away from your wicked ways and get baptized as a symbol of dying to your old man. And so I put that as probably the most meaningful representation of a ceremonial washing. So here Jesus takes these things that were made for ceremony and for cleaning. It seems to me like it's an honorable thing, but also a mundane thing at the same time. Washing, but ceremonial washing. And I picture that as the water is poured into these vessels, and then Jesus causes the best wine to come forth out of these vessels. He says, take, these, take a sample of this wine to the master of the ceremonies. And the master of the ceremonies declared, normally you would have the lesser quality wine saved for later because the people would have already been drunk and wouldn't know the difference. That's what makes me think that this would have been alcoholic wine and not just grape juice which might throw your whole world in a tizzy if, if, if your cultural sensibility tells you that alcohol should be avoided at all costs. Jesus made it. Remember, the, the Bible says that we are to avoid being drunk with wine, though. Such a dichotomy. Jesus created wine, which I'm fairly certain was alcoholic, yet we're not supposed to be drunk with wine, but instead be drunk in the Holy Spirit. But that's another topic for another day, I think. But the ceremonial vessels, I think it's key. What happened? Well, I can imagine what happened. The better wine comes out. It's the best stuff. I bet you the whole place enjoyed that wine. In a sense, they took place in a spiritual, glory-filled washing at this wedding ceremony. It was a ceremonial washing. It's where God's glory was first really understood and identified, the first miracle. And just like the glory of God came over the crippled man, because God was there in the flesh, the glory of God washed over that wedding. Why? Because God was there. And with a word, his glory went and washed them all. When we think about what we need to do to have change in our life to have victory in our life I think many times we're like the cripple guy by the pool trying to figure out how is it that we're going to get to that water how can we move our immovable selves to the water and we think that somehow the water has something to do with it because that's how it seemed to have solved the problem for all these other people Yet we've hit this wall, we can't go any further. And yet Jesus Christ, the true giver of life, 
is right outside your door, knocking. Please let me in, he says. I have water and food for you that you know nothing of. But you're inside your little house, looking at your TV, trying to figure out how are we going to solve this problem. The answer is out there somewhere. Change the channel. Maybe it's on that other channel. And Jesus is outside your door saying, you're looking in the wrong place, man. I am the bread of life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Today, the best thing for us to do is go straight to the source. There's no hindrance there. We don't have to walk over to the source. He's right there beside you. We don't have to walk our crippled feet to the source. He's right here, right beside you, willing to take your hand, lift you up, tell you to walk, and better pick up your mat too. I wondered about that a little bit. Obviously, picking up the mat meant work and it threw the religious leaders in a tizzy. But I think there was another thing too. If he had left his mat there, he might go back to it. It's a comfortable place. He, he, you know, you can get used to it. Isn't it Stockholm Syndrome where if you're in bondage and being held captive, you feel at home even in that situation that held you captive. Well, he was held captive. He could have gone back to that mat had he left it there. Yeah, that's my mat. I Don't, don't mess with my mat. I, I'm used to being there. I remember the years I was there waiting for that water and I never could get there. Jesus makes the statement, pick up that mat. Don't let there be this place where you remember being comfortable. I don't know, that's just something that the Lord spoke to me, I guess. You don't need to go back to that place again. The place for you is walking on the road. And you better believe that this man was telling people about what happened. I mean, wouldn't you? You don't have to be a pastor to be telling people about Jesus. You don't have to work in a church building. If Christ has affected your life... You should be sharing that. Ask the Lord for the right time and the right place. But that's part of your calling, is to be sharing that gospel, sharing that word of truth, of life. So as I close here, let's remember to stay in that word of God and live in peace. Pray for those who persecute you. And don't go back to your old mat, whatever that happens to be. Don't go back to it. God has brought us life and peace And he's given you a journey to be walking on. So pick up your mat and walk your journey. And I will see you on the flip.